just didn't really go Speak, oh Lord. Yeah, we're good. Definitely, definitely recording that. Okay. What number were we on? We're on number five. Social, no, six, no number social six. justice issues. Yeah. We'll do a hey, quick review. Yeah, sure. Okay. Hey, Russell. Hey, Sean. We're back. Back for part two. two. Part two of... of uh, Let's start over. No, that was that's the fun part. We're not going to start over. We're going to power through. No one wants to hear this. Okay, let's start over. <laughs> hey, Hi, Sean. Russell. Uh. <laughs> now we have to just keep it. This is going to be fun. Okay. Hey, part two of the abortion episode. I don't, don't know why I said it so happy like that. We should be more somber. Yeah. Let's review what we talked about mm-hmm. last time. Hey, Sean. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm the co-podcaster. I get it. No. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Ready. Okay. Hey, Sean. Hey, Russell. Are you sad about... <laughs> 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 90 seconds of recording time. We got this. Who's... Okay. Uh... You just just go for it. Hey, Russell. Hey, Sean. We're back. Part two. Part two. Talking about abortion. Yeah. First episode. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. But we have a lot more ground to cover. Yeah, quick review, quick, okay. like like 10 seconds of bullet point. The first argument we did was it's not a human being, it's a clump of cells. That's right. So if you, if you listen to part one, you're going to hear us talk about the importance of getting back to this point yeah. over and over again, which really frames the entire discussion of, of abortion. Yeah. And that is, is the unborn a human being yeah. or is it not? Yeah. And we said that scientifically, biologically, there is simply no way... That in 2018, yeah. you can claim that the unborn child in her mother's womb is anything other than a human being. That's right. A, a, not a mature human being, not sure. a fully developed human being, but a yeah. human being, a living, distinct member of the human species nonetheless. Yeah. And because of that, it has inherent value, dignity, and worth, image bearer of God. And so each of the subsequent arguments that we've been looking at, it, it kind of has to deal with that. And it tries to it tries to smuggle in its idea that it's not a human being. That's right. So, I, you know, argument number two, you're not allowed to have an opinion on abortion because you're a man. Right. Well that just kind of assumes that it really does matter. Right. Smuggles in the assumption that we're not talking about the death of a child. Yeah. Because as men, we're allowed to have the opinion that it's, it's wrong to murder your toddler by drowning him in the bathtub. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's really no difference. The next argument, uh, if abortion is illegal, women will have dangerous back alley abortions. Right. And we said, yes, that's possible. Mm -hmm. But the response to murder being dangerous mm-hmm. is not to make murder easier and less dangerous for the murderer. That's right. Uh, the next one, women should have the freedom to do what they want with their bodies. And to that, we gave a hearty amen. I agree. Yeah. Women should have the right to do whatever they want with their bodies, medically speaking. Yeah. They, they want to pull yeah. all their teeth out. Sure. Dye their hair. Sure. Get piercings. Yeah. Uh, breast augmentation. Sure. Great. More power to you. Yeah. However, that human child developing in your womb is a distinct being it is a distinct person it is not your body even though he or she is in your body yeah and so your right to do what you want medically to yourself does not give you the authority to take life from someone else yeah go ahead and get a wart removed don't kill your baby right okay then we looked at hard cases we looked at medical necessity first yeah we talked about ectopic pregnancies first we talked just about how incredibly rare it is right um yeah, and there's a difference between the medical necessity mm-hmm. of a child who is never going to live. Right. Because that child is embedded in a fallopian tube. 100% death rate. It's yep. going to die. Yep. So that child being uh, led to die 
because the mother wants to live. Yeah. Totally different scenario than the elective abortion where a mother walks into a clinic and says, I don't have money to pay for this baby. Please kill it. Yeah. And that is 99% of the abortions that occur in this country. Yeah. And then we talked about rape. And I think the the gist of what we said was... Um, it's terrible. It's horrible. It's evil. You know, we should hang them up in the square, castrate them uh, for doing such terrible deeds. Nevertheless, just because somebody took something from you doesn't mean that you have the right to take the life of a human being. That's right. Justice would look more like killing your rapist, not killing the innocent child who is now being blamed for the sins and the crimes of her father. Yeah. That's oh, not justice. No, that's not justice at all. Okay. Argument number six. All right. Now we're getting to the new stuff. Oh, okay. Social justice issue. Sorry, I twinged. Unwanted children will be neglected and abused. Yeah, this is a really common uh, argument that you hear from the pro-abortion crowd, specifically when all these other arguments kind of fall apart for them. So, Which they do rather easily. Very quickly. Once, once we've established that biologically we're talking about a human <coughs> being, everyone agrees, with some exceptions, and we'll get to these, that human beings should not kill other human beings without justification. Yeah. Uh, and so, well, what do you do now? Well, as the pro-abortionist, you just start to say, yeah, but if you let these children be born, they're going to grow up with single parent families in poverty. They're going to be neglected. They might be abused. And that's wrong. Mm -hmm. So we should kill them. Kill the baby so it won't grow up poor. I mean, that's literally the argument. And, and as silly as it sounds when I say it this way. That's a real argument. That's the exact argument. That is what it is. Yeah. We should kill babies so yeah. that they don't have hard lives. As somebody who uh, had a very hard life, as somebody who grew up very poor, as somebody who was abused in almost every conceivable way by his mother, in in every conceivable way by his mother, uh, I can tell you I'm glad that she didn't kill me. I grew up uh, in the first 13 years of my life were a hell that only very few people can really understand. And nevertheless, uh, I sit here today supremely thankful that uh, I had the opportunity to live. Yeah, the, the moral reasoning there is is just so patently absurd yeah. that just saying the argument out loud often yeah. <laughs> reduces it to what it really is. And it's such a white, Western, privileged way to argue oh, something. Trigger. You know, I mean, just like... like Oh, they're going to be poor. They're right. going to suffer. Right. Don't let them live because their lives going to be bad. I get to play God and decide that you just shouldn't have a life. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want to be poor. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be uncomfortable or abused. Yeah. So therefore, you don't get that choice or yeah. opportunity. And if you really want to do like the utmost reductio ad absurdum, if you just want to walk it all the way out to its most ridiculous. I mean, let's just go over to the slums of India and kill, kill everybody yeah. because they're all living on a dollar a day. Might as well. I mean, they're suffering. Yeah, this and, and you see the same thing as the argument will come around. Well, you guys, how many babies have you adopted? You're against abortion. Do you have a bunch of babies in your house that you've taken from pregnant mothers who didn't want their children? I've offered and I'm currently trying to. Yes, I have as well. But this this feigned concern right. for the unadopted child. Well, if you're going to be consistent as a pro-abortion activist or the person on that side of the fence, well, why don't you just kill them? Yeah. Because they're having hard lives. They don't have parents. Yeah. Why don't we just do what you say is acceptable to do to the baby in the womb yeah. and kill the child since they're going to have more hardship ahead of them? Yeah. It's like a dog that's old and decrepit and just needs to just put him down. Right. You know. But everybody's moral intuition and conscience, I mean, if they unless they've completely seared their conscience, they're going to recognize that that would be evil. Yeah. And so what we're trying to get them to do is look at how not only would that be evil, but it is also evil to kill the child in the womb. Yeah. 
All right, next argument. Pro-life camp only cares about unborn children. So you don't care about... we, You know, you should care about children from the womb to the tomb is the argument. But once they're born, you don't really care because you, as a conservative, for example, are against certain welfare programs, yeah. etc. Yeah, this is... Another another argument that you'll run into when you've kind of dismantled the rest of the pro-abortion argument. Sure, um, you guys aren't pro-choice, or sorry, you guys aren't pro-life. You're pro-birth, mm-hmm. and as soon as that baby's born, you don't care about her at all. Mm-hmm. Well, how many born babies are being murdered by their mothers legally in the United States? Zero. Maybe not zero. Legally. Oh, le- legally. Yeah, yeah legally. Zero. It's, yeah. So we have three thousand unborn children being murdered a day yeah. in the United States. Why do you think we might care more about the unborn? Yeah. It's, because it's, they're legally being slaughtered. It's an ethical priority. Right. Yeah. Now, to their point, and to be fair, yeah, there are a lot of people out there who let you know who don't care at all about what happens to children. Yep. But what I found mm-hmm. is that the people who are most concerned about the lives of babies, who are most passionate about preserving human life, they're also the people who are most passionate about caring for children. They're passionate about after school programs and tutoring and mentorship and, and helping kids who are in bad environments. These are the people most inclined to be volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club. Well, you're right. But let's let's give them a little bit of ground here. There are Christians who I think hypocritically will be very pro-life and then want nothing to do with children or adopting children or have very little concern sure. for other children. But these these examples that you might be able to pull from society, it's a red herring. Yeah, It has absolutely nothing to do with the ethical question that sure. is core, which is yeah. should a mother be allowed to kill her child in her womb? Yeah, but I still think it's significant, man, Like to, to say that the vast majority of the pro-life people I know are pro-life in the way that they're saying that they're not, right? Like yeah. if you just walk into any church and you find somebody who says that they're against abortion, they're also probably the kind of people who are like willing to go take food to a family that doesn't have That's it. That's right. And to use uh, an example of a family who we know well, there's a family uh, who is out on the sidewalks in front of the abortion clinic in North, North, North Alabama mm-hmm. at least once a week. Yeah. Their whole family is out there. And this family is not only standing there with signs saying, we will adopt your child, please don't go through with this. Yeah. They've been trying to foster and adopt children yeah. for years. Not only that, they actually know something about this family uh, that, that maybe you don't even know. Uh, there was a family in their church. The husband got sent to prison, and the mom had, I think, five kids and another baby on the way. Mm. And they took a significant chunk of their income every month to help support that family and to keep those kids fed. So they are pro-life in the the richest sense of the word. And I think I find that with the majority of pro-life people, exceptions obviously existing. And and I would agree. And I think what that criticism is really saying is Mm. you don't care about children because you are not supportive of the uh, heavy-handed wealth redistributive policies right. that my political ideology says right. are the only way you can care about children. That's right. And yeah. that's just ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Next argument. Uh, you're forcing your morality on others. Yeah. So you can't tell me that I can't kill my child, that abortion is wrong, because if you tell me that, you're trying to force your morality on other people. If you want abortion to be illegal, you're forcing your Christian moral values on other people. And, and another argument that's very similar, goes hand in hand with this, is you, you shouldn't try to legislate your yeah. morality. That's right. Well, unfortunately, that's how laws work. Mm. Every single law that will ever be codified 
is someone's moral view yeah. being written out mm-hmm. and enforced as law onto society. Politics is the public broadcasting of private morality. That's right. Yeah. All laws enforce someone's morality. Yeah. So the question is, whose morality is it going to be? And you, all you have to do is, if you're talking with someone who, who thinks this way, ask them about murder. Yeah. Like, do you really think that it should be illegal to murder toddlers? And if you think yes, and you think that should be the law, then that's your moral view being enforced upon other people sure. by the police power of government. Yeah. And so we already do this. Yeah. Everywhere. And what, they want to do that. They want to do it too. To so us. Yeah. What they're saying though is, I don't like this specific yeah. morality. Yeah. And I don't think, but rather than argue about the question of abortion, rather, rather than argue with the, and wrestle with the moral facts, the, the, the scientific and biological facts, what they're trying to say is that you're not allowed to have your opinion codified in law because mm-hmm. it comes from a religious perspective. Yeah. So they're trying to get rid of opposition and avoid debate by sort of making rules about who and who cannot, who can and who cannot have a voice, morally speaking, in what becomes law. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, women's equality, the right to sexual autonomy. That's right. Yeah. So this is actually, if you if you look at some of the very uh, sort of leftist feminist arguments for uh, elective abortion, this is like number one for them. This is the primary issue, which is that men can go be sexually promiscuous and they can run from whatever consequences that leads to. Sure. Uh, because it doesn't actually change their bodies. Mm. Women, if they go out and become sexually promiscuous, they may have to deal with very real, very permanent consequences of having a child. Yeah. And so these women say that in order for things to be fair, women like men should not have to deal with those consequences and should therefore be able to kill their children so that they can live the lifestyle that they want. And that's the only way to have real equality. I got to tell you, I'm not that familiar with this argument. Yeah. I probably, is that from Klusendorf's book? Uh, He might address it. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember reading it. This is, this is very much, I think at the heart of what most modern women who are very, and I say women, but I mean really anybody who's, who's a modern feminist, a modern feminist, which could include men, someone who is very much, unfortunately it does very much in favor of legal abortion. I think this is sitting underneath all the other arguments. Yeah. And that is a fundamental, fundamentally it's a rebellion against God's design. It is a hatred of God's making women distinct child bearers different from men Yeah, and how their biology functions differently and how they can't go you know, live lifestyles that are sexually promiscuous without consequences. Yeah. They hate that. Yeah. Um, and that I've seen this outside on the sidewalks, even interacting with yeah. uh, the pro-abortion activists who come out there. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we should just say that at least in the life of the local church where we have some sort of authority, uh, men cannot just go do what they want without consequences. They shouldn't be allowed to. Yeah. They shouldn't be. Their, their physical body may not have to deal with those consequences. Right. Uh, but they will certainly be held accountable for the decisions that they make spiritually and financially. That's right. And, yeah. and you'll often hear this phrase as well. If you care so much about women and what they do with their bodies, read between the lines, whether they kill their children. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go out and make some of these men who are the absent fathers come take accountability and responsibility for raising that child? And to that, I, I say, say, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to make that uh, a standard in our society. Yeah. 
Um, and so, I'll even make them wear those little, those those baby stomach things for nine months if I get a chance. So again, this is kind of like uh, the objection about rape. Mm. Like, well, what are we doing here? Are we uh, punishing the child for the failure of the father or the crime of the rapist? That's that's not ethically tenable. Right. I mean, really, this argument is men and women are biologically different. So I want to kill somebody so that we can be the same. Right. So we can both live the same sexually promiscuous lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the good solution to this is don't live a sexually promiscuous lifestyle. Imagine that. It's almost as if there was a design by God Mm -hmm. for a man and a woman to have sex with only each other for the entirety of their lives to avoid this whole thing. You're such a Puritan. Grounded within a covenant relationship and a promise. That is very puritanical of me. Um, But but what we're seeing is this entire debate is the consequences of a society no longer thinking that way. Yeah, that's right. Um, It's just assumed that everyone's going to go be sexually promiscuous. Yeah. Okay. Number 10, abortion kills a human being. Ah, they're they're conceding. Yes. Abortion kills a human being. Nevertheless, I should be allowed to kill that baby anyway. Yeah, I know that my baby's a human and I should be allowed to kill it anyway. So I should be allowed to take her life yep. because it's inconvenient or expensive or hard on me emotionally. And we've kind of hinted at this the whole time. You know, most people recognize that we shouldn't kill human beings unjustly and that killing an innocent child in the womb would be murder. Yeah. However, every woman who I've had the chance to actually talk to outside of the abortion clinic in North Alabama, they don't argue like that. Mm-mm. So the people who are actually going to have an abortion they recognize that they're going to kill a child. Yeah. They're going to kill their baby. Yeah. Um, you will find consistent, like people who are trying to be intellectually honest and consistent, uh, pro-abortion uh, thinkers and writers and and people who actually say, yes, it is a human baby. Yeah. And we should maybe even be allowed to kill him up to like a year old. Yeah. Peter Singer, the ethicist at Princeton University. That's right. Yeah. Advocates infanticide. Bastion of intellectual... Whatever. Honesty, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess. Uh, so we see, you know, as, as much as it is generally the right approach to point to the humanity of mm-hmm. the human being with inside the womb as, as a standard for why we think abortion is wrong, because you're killing a human. Yeah. It doesn't always work. No, that, that, that is changing. We, we actually know a woman outside of the abortion clinic in Huntsville who one day when I was trying to argue this point with her in a very gentle, slow, patient way, uh, said basically she just kind of got tired of it all. And she said, listen, I'm, I know that I, I want to take this dead baby, go back home and cook it up on a barbecue and then put barbecue sauce on it and eat it. And then she began to lick her fingers in front of me. Now I I'm, I'm sure that part of that was just her trying to be a provocateur. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, I believe that she believes that I, I know that she knows that it's murder and yeah. she's really just unconcerned with it. When you strip away the obfuscation and the fallacies and the unscientific arguments, most women know that they're killing their child who are at the abortion clinic. Yeah. And and so this is why we have to have the gospel as central to our apologetic, to our to our attack against the culture of death and this pro-abortion view. Because ultimately, I don't just want women to not kill their babies. Um, I want them to recognize the value and the worth of yeah. every human being. Yeah. I want them to recognize that we're all created in the image of God, and that's yeah. why that child should not be killed. Yeah. I mean, this is why secular arguments against abortion will fall apart. Sure. Because, okay, what if I admit that it's a baby? I still get to kill it. 
Yeah. Well, it's the it's the truth of God's law and God's creating human beings as his image bearers that gives us the dignity and the value and yeah. the respect that we all deserve. If you lose that, there is no reasonable ethical basis for seeing human beings as valuable. Right? That's right. Yeah. So that's all for this part. We're going to wrap this up in part three because yeah. there's so much to talk about here on the subject of abortion. Yeah. Uh, this will be a very comprehensive treatment and you'll get three podcast episodes out sure. of it. Sure. And make sure you share them all and uh, do whatever you can with these to help promote a culture that values and loves life. Thanks for listening. Yep.